on the floor, now my jewelry box froze Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in a cold Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll Can't fold, that's a no, headshot, case closed What is up guys, it's Andy Purcell and this is the show for the real Let's say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society And welcome to motherfucking reality Guys, today we have Q&AF We also have a special guest which I'll intro in just a moment if you'd like to submit some questions for Q&AF, and if you don't know what it is, it's very self-explanatory. See, it's you submit the questions, and we answer them. And you can submit those questions one of a couple different ways. First way is... Yeah, guys, email those questions into askandy at andyfrasella.com. Or you can go on YouTube on the Q&AF episodes, which drop every single Monday. Today's Monday. And uh, ask your questions in the comments, and we'll pick some from there as well. Now, other times when you listen to Real AF, you're going to have different shows we have shows within the show all right today you're gonna hear q and af tomorrow you're gonna hear cti that stands for cruise the internet that's where we put topics up on the screen we speculate on what we think is true what we think is not true and then we talk about how we the people need to be the solution to the problems going on in the world other times we have real talk real talk is five to twenty minutes of me just giving you some real talk and then uh sometimes we have full length like you guys heard on friday uh Full length is just what you are used to seeing on most other podcasts where we have an interesting guest come in and we have a, a conversation. And then other times we have 75 hard verses. And 75 hard verses is where we take someone who uh, whose life was a total shit show, who did 75 hard and then got their life in order. And we bring them on the show and we talk about how they were a piece of shit, how they're no longer a piece of shit, and how you can no longer be a piece of shit. And we give it to you for free. You can get the program for absolutely nothing. All right. It's episode 208 on the audio feed. If you go listen to it, it'll explain what 75 hard is. Uh, it's the world's biggest mental toughness program that's ever been created. Uh, it's for free. And if you want to get your shit together, go listen to it. So with that being said, we do have a very special Q&AF. And I like these Q&AFs where we get people to come in and sit on the show with us. Today, I have the legend in the entrepreneurship, author, success, personal development space, Mr. John Gordon sitting in with us. What's up, bro? Andy, great to be with you. Dude, this is awesome. It's awesome to have you here, man. I'm fine. Um, we've been trying to get this together for a long time. Since June. Yeah. Shit, I think longer than that. I think we've been talking about it for a couple of years now, on and off. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's good to have you here. Great to be here. So what's going on, man? I'm visiting your place. It's incredible. Like, just blown away by this place, by your customer service, your people, like how you do everything is, is unbelievable. Man, you know, when you're not very smart, you got to do shit right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Every time. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. You know, people people give us a lot of credit for being intelligent, but I think I think the key to ultimately to, to success in business is doing the things that other people won't do that you know are the right thing. And um, mm. I don't know any other way to do it. You, know? you do the ordinary things with extraordinary consistency, commitment, yeah. focus, and discipline. That's what I've noticed. Like yeah. that's what the best do. The best are always doing that ordinary stuff, but but they're so focused on it. And that's what I've noticed. Like everywhere you go, everything is clean. Yeah. Everything's yeah. put in the right place. Yeah, we don't have a cleaning crew, bro. Like our people clean it. Wow. Yeah. So so a lot of people ask how we get everybody to do that and how to buy into that. Um, you know, what I've found, and you probably realize this too. Uh, I mean, because you've you've coached everybody, bro. I mean, you give talks and I mean, every major college, every major professional team in the world. You guys that aren't familiar with John Gordon, he's an absolute legend when it comes to anything personal development. Um, how many books have you written now? Twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight books. I mean, this like 
we're talking like one of the most influential people. So for you guys who are young that may not like know who John Gordon is, you should go check him out and read his books because a big reason of, you know, why people like me are even doing the things that we do is because of the work that this man has done previously in his life. Um, but you understand that, you know, teaching people what they're getting out of the process is, is, is one of the most effective ways to get people to operate at a high level, right? Because we all think about what's in it for us, naturally as human beings. And when we could teach people, you know, like people come in here and they look at the sink in the bathroom and they're like, man, it looks like no one's ever used the sink. Well, we wipe the sink out after we use it. So it looks that way on purpose. But why do we do that? Well, we do that not because we want John Gordon to come in and see that the sink is wiped out. We do that because we know that every single time that we wipe out the sink, we're actually attributing and, and accumulating more discipline to our own standard, right? It's making us better. Same thing with the weights in the weight room. A lot of people are like, How do, what do you do when people, you know, what do you do? Fire people that don't straighten their weights? Well, yeah, if they don't do it like three or four times. Mm -hmm. But initially, usually people buy into it because they understand that, you know, that little attention to detail makes them better at what they do. And if they're better at what they do, they have a better life. So I think a big part that a lot of coaches miss with people, especially when we're talking about performance, is tying it back to how it benefits the individual, not just, hey, you need to do this because this is our standard, right? Most people are selfish in that way. Well, we all are. Yeah, Everybody is. We all look at, look, dude, every single human on the face of the earth that says, you know, oh, I'm a completely selfless human being. Anybody who says they're completely selfless, they're fucking going to take something from you. <laughs> they're, they're, your money is going to go from your pocket to their pocket. All right? Yes. So, like, be real careful because the truth is we, we can be selfless and we can understand that to be ultimately selfless, we have to be selfish and get ourselves right first. This is why, you know, when the airplane's going down, they don't, they don't say, hey, put the mask on everybody else. They say, put it on yourself. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I think it's a balance though, right? Like we've got to, we've got to become aware of our own selfishness and then, and then work intentionally to be selfless, understanding that that's what ultimately creates the life that we want. You I know? Love it, man. And how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah, for and sure. And so you go to Clemson football, I've worked with them, work with the Rams, right? They're focused on all the details. Your people being focused on the details in the bathroom with the sink also says they're going to do that in their jobs. Yeah. You go to a restaurant that has clean bathrooms, okay, you probably can figure out the kitchen is probably gonna be clean too. Yeah. But you go to a restroom, you know, that's dirty yeah. in a restaurant. Yeah. You're like, okay, I may not want to eat here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. That's for real. sure. Yeah, I think John, I think so we we were talking about this before the show started, but I think we I, I first met you was out at uh, Ed's Ed's event in was it North Carolina? Yep. I think Raleigh, where we yeah, first Raleigh, met yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where I first met you. Oh man. shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. Event. Yeah. That was right after my shoulder surgery. Yeah, right, I was right after that. Right yeah. after, yeah. That was where I t I brought the axe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were yeah. almost they almost awesome. didn't let us on the plane with it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's why I first met you, Zaz. I, I it's been it's been awesome. Good to see you again. And, Good to uh, see you. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Culture. Yeah, know, I'm a student of culture. Yeah, like, I teach culture, but yeah. I'm always looking at culture. I work with In and Out Burger, one of my clients. Mm -hmm. They got a great culture. You yeah. can't make. A hamburger unless you work there for a year. Yeah. You have to really? work there for a year before you can make a hamburger. And then you have to be chosen to be a hamburger maker. So it's like an honor to say, I want you to be a hamburger maker and you're going to apprentice under me. It's like, it's a big that part of their sense. culture. Right. Well, that makes sense. That's the product, man. Mm -hmm. You know, like it makes sense that you would, you would build value around the, the, the process of making the most important thing. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it does. What you got going on? What's new with you, man? 
So I just wrote a book called The One Truth. Yeah. So I've been speaking about that, you know, oneness and separateness. Everything comes down to oneness and separateness. Are we divided and separate? You get weak when you're divided and separate. Or are we one, connected and right. strong? So it's all about that. So I've been speaking a ton, like going nonstop from place to place, doing a lot of events, speaking, got a number coming up. But it, it's been crazy just the amount of events I've been doing speaking. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's a that's an appropriate message, right now, <laughs> especially, especially right in now. culture right now. Yeah, dude, what do you think of culture right now? I think I agree with you one hundred percent. By the way, oh, you do every yeah every th nice. everything that Everybody you else are. Hates me. Standing <laughs> for. Well, you know, what I loved there was a time maybe about a year ago when we were we were talking. We we met. We were talking and. I said, you know, during COVID, I stood up against the mandates. Mm -hmm. I stood up against cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a big risk for me. And you said, no. The fact that you believe it was a risk is wrong. Mm -hmm. You believe that it actually has power. That's wrong. That really stood out to me. That made me really think. Cancel culture only has power if you give it power. That's correct. And that was a huge lesson for me that you taught me in that moment. I'm like, yeah. no, it can't affect you unless you believe it can't right mm -hmm. so you got to be bold yeah you got to take a stand so i'm huge on principle i'm huge on integrity i'm huge on leading the right way doing the right thing and so what we see now with culture we see a lot of people doing the wrong things we see a lot of misinformation we see a lot of lies there is evil and evil will always lie to you and then make you feel like you're the liar yeah and that's what's happening right now so yeah. the people are standing mm -hmm. for truth or being told that they're the liar. No, we're not the liars. We are speaking truth. So yeah. I love that you're taking a stand. I think more people need to, yeah. to address what kind of culture do we want to create in this country? Yeah. Like we have to get back to what we stand for. That's what made America great. Everyone knew what we stand for. And I think today people don't really know what America stands for. And you have it's to get back so to It's been so diluted, that. yeah. yeah. Freedom, yeah. like we stand for freedom. And if you stand for freedom, then everything we should do should be about freedom mm -hmm. and individual responsibility mm -hmm. and your individual rights. Mm -hmm. So when things happen where they try to take away those rights, where we more and more see those rights eroded, that's a big deal in culture today. So so for me, I'm, I'm big on individual responsibility, individual ownership, but also leaders doing the right things that is in the best interest of people. So I don't see that happening a lot today. What do you think on term? Like, I agree with you on cancel culture. You know, the, the, cancel culture can only hurt you if you stop. That's where it hurts you. You know, like people come to attack you and then you just stop doing whatever the thing is that you were doing. Or apologize. Yes, or... dude, that's where cancel culture will get you guys. If you just show up the next day and start saying the same shit again, they're going to come at you again, except the next time they come at you, it's less and less. Mm -hmm. And then you show up the next day. And then they come at you again. It's less and less because, bro, these people want <laughs> these people come at people for the reaction. They want the apology. They want they want the the crying video. They want the oh my god, I'm so sorry for saying what I actually believe. That's what that's what it's for. Yeah. Okay. So if you never give it to them, eventually they go find people that are going to give it to them. Wait, did you call them racist yet? That that didn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work, bro. <laughs> like I can defend my arguments. Like, and I think that's a big part of yeah. it too is that a lot of people are so uncomfortable defending their positions because they don't understand their positions that they can't fend off any sort of criticism. Like, I'm aware that not everybody, like, I don't expect our audience to agree with everything I say when it comes to what's going on in the world. But I, I am very comfortable 
standing in front of someone, whoever it is, and having a conversation about why I believe what I believe. And if you make a great point and I say, well, that's a good point. Right. Then think right? about it like that. This is yeah. called being a, a, like a, a good communicator, right. you know? And if you just communicate with the intent of solving the problem versus the intent of being right, now you're in a situation where I think conversations can be had. And so that's what I'm trying to show people, man. I'm trying to show people that like, hey, you can have stances, but you can also be open to other ideas. And when people come at you, that's okay. That's the way the world is right now. Um, but if you if you stop, that's where it hurts you. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they think that like, oh my God, they came for me and they ruined my life. No, you ruined your life because you stopped doing whatever it was that you were trying to do. And the reason why, they're afraid. Yeah. So you asked me about culture. What do I see? I see fear. Yeah. People are really struggling with fear, mm -hmm. anxiety, chronic worry, chronic stress. And, and we're not meant to go through life that way, living that way. And you can see how people feel more and more separate when it comes to that. You know, the root for the Greek word of anxious means to separate and divide. And so when you feel anxious, you feel separate and divided. So these yeah. people feel divided. They feel anxious. So fear is taking over their life. We mm -hmm. have to get them back to that wholeness, yeah. that, that I, healing, that oneness, that power. Like discover the power that you have. Like when you look at the world, if you believe that the world has power over you, that actually lowers your state of mind mm -hmm. and you actually approach this world in a very timid, weak way. When you realize that you have the power to change your circumstance, to define reality, to create the future, then that uplifts your state of mind and allows you to actually approach this world in a much more powerful way. I think, I think, you know, most people out here, and you travel the world, bro. You're all over the place. I mean, when I go when I go in public, which is rare, I really don't go in public that much. But when I do, I don't see this division in real life. No, like I don't feel it in real life. Like when I go, when I do go out to an event or or, or see people, or uh, you know, even go to a sporting event occasionally or whatever. Like this shit doesn't exist in reality. It only exists on this phone and it's continuing to be stirred and stirred and stirred so that everybody can be at high levels of emotion and then react to whatever the, the distraction might be. And it's very clear to me the manipulations going on. But man, like DJ and I, we talk about this all the time, dude. Like when, are, when do you think people are going to wake up to like, oh shit, I'm being made to feel this way intentionally. Like, when is that going to happen? Because yeah. that's what's going to be required for us to really get things back on track, to even have a conversation of what America stands for. You know, if we're consistently reacting to every single crisis that happens, and these crises are happening every three or four fucking days now, okay? We just had, uh, you know, we have the Middle East situation. Now we have this shooter situation. Like, has anybody else noticed that since 2020, the amount of crises has increased tremendously at, at, at the rate of speed. Yeah, the lag has Yes, bro, this down. wasn't like this pre-2020. Like, no. we didn't have a situation where, you know, Some major every event. single three days we had this national division, uh, divisive crisis yep. on the internet. And, like, dude, a lot of it comes from, like, and I, you know, look, I'm going to call it how I see it, but a lot of it comes from, you know, not just the progressive left, a lot of it comes from the conservative influencers too because they're selling fucking shit on the views and the like. That's their whole purpose, right? They don't have a business. They don't have a career. They weren't relevant before 2020. And now they see it as their uh, way to you know monetize themselves. And so they sensationalize the propaganda 
think under the under the pretext that they actually care and like people have to start getting real like these people who look at every single headline that comes down the pipe and say holy shit look what's happening oh my god and then they fucking tell you buy my shit right (laughs) these these people are doing there these people are just manipulating you in a different way Mm -hmm. they're they're getting you all hyped around uh something that you care about and then trying to monetize it when in reality bro the, the, the manipulation mechanism is the same. Emotional manipulation, stirred, high emotion, and then a call to action. And, and I, I can recognize this because I'm a fucking business guy, right? But like most people can't see this shit. Can't see it. And, and dude, when I see like what's going on in the world, man, it's just a massive marketing campaign geared towards us. But the marketing that they're selling us is misery and anxious and depression and, and financial hardship and, you know, being unhealthy. And I don't know, man, like I, I'm... I think the internet, like real talk, like I think the internet is a net negative for humanity. I think the world was better before the internet, completely better. And I think there's been a lot of good things. I think, you know, there's money to be made. There's connections to be made. There's some good things. I'm not saying there aren't some good things, but I would say, and I would be curious what your opinion is on this. As somebody who's lived pre and post internet era, I 100% would give away everything I fucking have, everything I own, everything to go back to that life before the internet. Every bit of recognition I've gotten from it, every success, everything. It was a better life. That's my opinion. Because what's the cost? Bro, you don't even know what it's like. Yeah. Well, you, I, I knew a lot because I, I mean, nah, bro, I, I was you don't. poor. No, you no. We couldn't dude. afford the internet. No, no you, <laughs> you, you, you don't know. It was yeah. totally different. People yeah. were different. It was a different thing. Like this whole thing where people go on the internet, and just berate people and and tra- that never happened in the real world, dude. Like these kids growing up in high school right now, where they're getting called out on the internet and bullied on the internet for being different or weird or whatever. That shit, like, dude. And when I was in high school, that sucked, right? Like you 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 had to walk through school and you know there was people chirping and talking and shit. Now the shit's all over the internet, bro. Like everybody sees it. Your parents see it. Their parents see it. The whole school teachers see it. Like really think about this what that does to people like growing up is hard enough man you know when was the last time you went somewhere and had a real conversation with someone that actually meant something and made you feel good about people you know like i just i don't know and i know it's never going to go backwards but it just it's like i'm mourning for it because i'm like mourning the way of life before the technology and like I don't know. Part of me wants to like, I, I really think I will get to this point where I completely unplug everything and disappear from the fucking internet. What, what's your take on it? The media is the Bible of the fearful and too many worship it. Yeah. Mm. And that's a problem. The thing is social media just magnifies and it reinforces the separation and the division that's there. Like there's always been a little division and there's always been comparison. There's always been jealousy. Like when you're a kid growing up and your neighbor got a new car, you were jealous of the neighbor that got that new mm-hmm. car or the kid who was the cool kid in school got the new outfit, you know, the new clothes and there was jealousy. Now there's a thousand cool kids online and you're mm-hmm. seeing it every single day. Yeah. So the jealousy was there. The division was there. The bullying was there. Mm-hmm. It was just in person. Mm-hmm. I fought in my neighborhood all the time. Yeah. Like but, I had, I had but a weren't tough you better for it. Oh yeah. It me made too. me stronger. Yeah. I, mean, I was beat up for a while. Then eventually you started doing it. And then, and yeah. then I was able to beat up my neighbor and never beat me up again. Yeah. But I dealt with it. My dad was a New York City police officer. Yeah. You know, undercover narcotics. So in our neighborhood, like we we battled, we fought. Yeah. So those were challenging times. Like that's mm-hmm. not happening today in that way. Now it's online. Now it's bullying. Now it's uh, rumors and gossip and all this other stuff. 
But with social media, like we often blame social media, but it's really not social media. And I actually wrote about this in The One Truth. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that we're looking outside instead of inside. And there's an evil, there's a force always trying to make you to look outside instead of inside, to look at your circumstances, to look at others, to look at the opinions of others, and to actually look and think that that has power over you, just like cancel culture. Mm -hmm. So the key is you should be able to look at social media, because there are times you probably look at it, and you're in a great high state of mind, you're, you're feeling great, you're positive, and it has no effect on you whatsoever. You're like, yeah, this is a bunch of crap, move up, move forward. Yeah. And other days, when you're in a low state of mind, not feeling so great, stuff's coming your way, you got a lot of clutter, you're looking at that social media and it really bothers you what you see. Yeah. And so the key is to recognize that, and we have to teach kids this because kids are always looking yeah. outside. It's why so many of them are stressed mm -hmm. and anxious because they're not living their life from their purpose, their passion, what they're meant to do. They're looking at everyone else and their life and then they feel inadequate. Mm -hmm. And the more they feel inadequate, they then retreat from life and they don't have the boldness and the faith to actually take on life. Mm -hmm. So this is- I think that's a great point. What you're teaching yeah. and what I'm teaching, I think is the same thing. Like you have the power to take on this life. Yeah. You're not meant to go through life fearful, anxious, and stressed. No. You're meant to go through life with power and peace and joy and confidence and courage. And this is how you need to go through life. So we gotta share with kids the truth that this media crap has no power over you. And I think that's where we have to get to, like where people recognize like this media, is a bunch of liars. And when the media lies, democracy dies. Mm -hmm. When the media lies, it affects everyone. And when we, look at, when we look at social media, I actually think it's a good thing because if we just had the media and not social media, we would never have the dissenting voices. Yeah. Think about it. It would be literally like propaganda Russian TV, yeah. which we have but, now, but, but at least we have the voices to counter it right now. So, so I agree with that point. But here, so that, that brings up the argument of is ignorance bliss? Right. Right. Because we <laughs> yes. because we have all woken up to the amount of propaganda. Yeah. Because the propaganda has become stronger because there has been dissenting voices. So when when before, you know, the Internet was really a thing the they kind of let us live our lives in peace. Right. And yes, you know, they they did all this dirty shit, but we didn't get it pushed down our throats all the time. We were allowed to, like, function in, in society properly. And since the Internet's come along. It has created dissenting voices, which has forced them to create new techniques to control those dissenting voices, which we end up with a situation where, you know, now, I mean, you know, it's kind of the discussion of like, is it better to know or is it better to not know? I'm happier when I don't know. I'll yeah, admit that. that's a like, fact. I'm happier when I didn't yeah. know what was happening. Because when you're at a family gathering and you're talking about this, yeah. for those who don't know, they're just happy going about their life. They have no yeah. understanding or realization that their rights are being taken away. Yeah. They have no understanding that they're being lied to. They don't see what can come into the future though. They haven't studied history. They're not looking yeah. at other countries like yeah. we do. We yeah. know what can come here. And I'm very concerned what can and may come here if we don't take a stand. Yeah. That's why I agree with you 100% on that. And I think most people are waking up to that fact though. A lot of people, some are still in denial. Some, some don't see it, but you're right. Ignorance is bliss because yeah. I was a lot happier when I didn't know. But it's about finding the joy with the courage to take it on and say, you know what, yeah. I do know this is evil, but how do we beat evil? Always with truth yeah. and with good. Yeah, see, I don't, have, I don't have any joy in it. You know what I mean? Like for me, this is total obligation. I, people, have, people have a hard time understanding that the reason I do Real AF the way I do it, specifically the CTI stuff, 
is not because I like doing it. It's not because it's fun. It's because no one else has the fucking balls to do it. Okay. And also I recognize that, you know, my boss can't really fire me. Right. Like you guys who have bosses and you got to keep quiet. I'm speaking for those people. And it's, it's very fucking, it's a very large burden, dude. Like it's, it's very, it's very tiresome. It wears you out. It's emotionally draining. And so I often find myself in this situation where I'm asking myself, is it worth doing? And it goes into the, the discussion that we're having right now. Like, is it better to be ignorant and live in the dark and let these people just do what they do as long as we get to live somewhat peacefully? Or is it better, or is our time and, and our, our historical relevance, okay? This is going to sound probably arrogant and egotistical, but like I oftentimes think like, fuck, bro, this is what you were meant to do. You know, you were meant to fight these fucking people and beat their asses and get everybody straight on what's going on in society. And, you know, I, I have a lot of things that would make me to say why that's happened to me. You know, when I look back over the course of my life and I think about, you know, me getting stabbed and what I learned through that and then my business journey and then like, you know, just weird things that have happened. Like I ended up living at a pre former president's property, you know, shit like that. Right. I don't, I can't have kids, you know, like there's all these things and like people will say, well, how's that play into it? Well, like, you know, um, if I had kids, I probably wouldn't have the courage to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, it's this constant battle of like, is this why the fuck I'm here? Or should I just go live my life and let these fucking idiots sort it the fuck out? Like, it's just a hard, it's like, just because you could take the easy route if oh, you really dude, wanted to and not deal with any of this. Dude, this is the thing. I don't know if you saw, I did a day in the life episode on YouTube where I showed my life because I come on here all the time and I'm like, guys, I don't think you understand. Like, I don't have to do this. You know what I'm saying? And ever since the day in the life episode, which has been a week and a day, I've gotten thousands of messages from people like, holy shit. You really don't have to do this. I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to say that, guys. Like, I care about this shit. I care about you. I care about your fucking family. And all I ask is very simply that you share the message or speak up or stand with me, you know? And it's just like for three and a half years, man, we've been getting beat by these by these manipulation techniques in the media and these these criminals. And it's like, fuck, I'm just waiting for everybody to like get so tired of it and stand the fuck up, man. Like we could beat these people very simply without violence by just standing together and saying, hey, no. But we have so many of these little people inside the movement who are willing to like capitalize on it for their own self gain as opposed to like working towards a real solution that nothing ever gets solved because we're always infighting. It's like, look at, look at the situation between Trump and DeSantis, right? Trump and DeSantis, the people, the people who like DeSantis hate the people who like Trump and vice versa. They hate him. And dude, up until DeSantis decided he was going to run for president, there was not that division. Everybody was like Trump and DeSantis. And now you have this part of the of the community, like legitimately eating each other up. And like, guys, for what? Like, do you not understand? Like, if you don't understand that whoever wins that primary, you need to vote for to get us out of this mess. So you're telling me you hate the other guy so much you're going to vote for fucking this guy? You see what I'm saying? Yep. Like, we have to have some more common sense thinking and, and conversations. And, and, and by the way, I'm apolitical. I'm voting for the better out possible outcome. I don't give a shit about Trump or DeSantis. I care about fucking us. 
I don't know, man. I well, think I think a lot of things. It's you, just you, you know what's interesting as I was walking around your place and going on the tour, that actually came to me. That thought came to me. Like Andy's built this. He's had the skill, the ability, the persona, the boldness, the faith, the confidence, the courage, like everything you have. I said, he's been brought to this moment to be a voice for our future. Like I had that thought as I was walking around and you just said yeah. that, which is really cool. Like I have no doubt that God will choose people along the way that will fight for freedom and individual responsibility because there'll always be a force trying to oppress. You wanna hear something crazy, dude? So when I pray at night, always through when I was a kid, I always told God, I said, if you, if you help me, I promise I'll help other people. And what I think is happening now is like, I'm having to repay that debt. Now it's your time to yeah. help people. That yeah. was my prayer too. Yeah. God, God provide for my family yeah. and I will do your work. Yeah. And for me, that was like, Impacting people, positivity, helping I, people overcome I, I thought that's negativity. what it was me, for me too, bro. Right. <laughs> like, right. I thought it was like, hey, I'll just share what I know and help you guys win and all this stuff. And now it's become this whole other thing. It's but, like, who, but who can do what you do? That's the thing. Like, I had a, I I had a, a lot of people a, could. No, but NBA coach had a star player come to the NBA coach and constantly complain about the other members of the team. They're not this. They're not that. They're not this. And the coach said, if they were that, they'd be you. And that's why you stand out. And that's why you're a superstar. And so we wish other people would do it, but not everyone can. I believe they can all be bold, be yeah. courageous, but they also can't do what you do in the way that you do it. I can't do it the way you do it. I'm a fighter, but not the way you're a fighter. So it's it's different. But I've also made the stand, and I, my wife and I have talked about this, like as the future comes, depending on what happens in the future, like we will take a stand. Yeah. Like we will take a stand for others. It may mean we lose everything, but yeah. we will take a stand for the future of this country. We do have kids, but for their future. And they, like my son loves your stuff. Like they they think that way. Like yeah. we know that we're in a fight for the future of this country and also for the moral fabric of this country yeah. and what we need to create going forward together. So, so, but it can be done, again, I'm all about positivity. Like positivity doesn't mean weak. Positivity actually is strong because you believe the best is yet to come. You're gonna take the actions necessary to create the best outcome. And you can be positive and fierce. So like, I feel like I'm positive, but I'm competitive, I'm mm -hmm. fierce. Yeah. So I believe this is the way it should be. So let's make it so. So sometimes when you get down, it reminds me of a, like some of the coaches I work with at the top level. He's like, these guys allow the burden of the jobs yeah. to bring them down. But what I remind them of is that love casts out fear. So anytime you start to get fear or down, you're allowing the weight of everything to take hold. That's actually what the enemy's trying to do to keep you from your destiny and yeah. keep you from being courageous to say, ah, I'll just give up. Yeah. You know, screw it. I'll just Fuck give up. Bro, I think right. that every day. Right. But no, yeah. but, but, but when, you, when you love the battle yeah. and you love the competition and you, and you love the ability to, to, to take on this challenge, just every time you start to like get frustrated, just remember, I'm going to love this battle and love that I get to do this. Dude, it's such that's a gonna sick take, thing. That's going to get you to a higher state. Yeah, it's so sick, dude. Because I cannot quit. Right. Like, I can't quit anything. Like, it's, it's so good in some areas, and in some areas it makes my life fucking torture, bro. <laughs> right. Like, I, I feel what you're saying, man, yeah. and I, I I take it to heart, and I appreciate you sharing that because yeah. that's helpful for me to think about, and yeah. it's help me, for, helpful for me to know that that other people feel that way. You know what I mean? Big time. <clears throat> so, anyway, you know how the show works, brother. So we we get questions from the audience, and then uh, we try to answer them. So, uh, 
You want to know a secret? What? Yeah. I, I got some good ones for you. All right. DJ <laughs> always does. Let's get into it, man. Guys, Andy, John, question? John, I appreciate that, bro. No. Like that talk. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm actually glad we had it on the show for people to hear. Yeah, I really am glad too. Yeah, that's real shit, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, John, Andy, question number one. Uh, recently, I was told that I am not sp- spontaneous enough and that I require a rigid timeline for myself, which impacts others. As I self-reflected, I suppose that's an accurate assessment. I have raised my four children. I've been a teacher for 17 years. So to say I function well with strictness and time management is an understatement. My question is, how do I know if what I thought was a strength may actually be a weakness? How can I distinguish between having high standards for myself versus being too rigid for those around me? That's what I've got on this. Is it keeping you from what matters most to you and what will make you be your best. So if it's keeping you from that, if you're being rigid, if you're not making time for relationships because you're focusing on your routine more than your relationships, then you're probably being too rigid. But if it's helping you get better, helping you improve, if it gives you the freedom to actually do what you love and also to be your best, then that routine and that rigidness is actually a good thing. I have found in my journey though, I've allowed the routine, the schedule to get in the way of what matters most. And so at times I can allow that to get the best of me and mm-hmm. I don't bring out the best in me for others. Yeah. So that's how you would know. Well, would you, I mean, would you say that there's like a period though? Like, like, you know, cause I think like the, the conversation of balance, right? Like that's a big one, especially for younger people. But like, would you say though, that there is a phase of your life that you have to go through where there is not going to be this, you know, quote unquote balance that you're going to expect to have. Like there's going to be working years in your life where, Hey, like, listen, some things that do matter on the grand scheme of things, they can't really matter right now in this moment or in this phase of your life. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in balance in life. I believe in rhythm. Like you'll never Mm. find balance. Anybody who's pursuing greatness or a company like this and building something amazing will not have balance in their life. There's a season for everything. So the key is to find the rhythm in your life of the seasons. So like my family, we find our rhythm where July and December, things slow down. And that's when we find time to really spend together. But mm. I'm not having balance in the course of my day. Like I haven't seen my <laughs> yeah. wife in about yeah. seven days. You, you, you and Ed both do that so well. You, bo- you guys are great friends, by the yeah, way. Yeah, great friends. People, if people didn't know, Ed and John are great friends. And um, I'm talking about Ed Milet. Uh, you guys do that so well. And I admire that about both of you. I, I, I feel like when it comes to the balance thing, I think it depends on when you ask someone what they will say, uh, what answer they will give. Like if you right. asked me my first 10 years of business, if there was balance, I would laugh in your fucking face. I would be like, bro, you're insane. And honestly, if you ask me that right now, because we're in a position where we're leveling from a mid-sized company into a, 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 you know, a small, large company, um, I would laugh in your face. So I think it's important for people to recognize that if you're in the beginning of the journey and you're talking about balance, bro, you're not going to make it. It's impossible. It takes too much to get something started. If you're starting something, and and by the way, this could be your career. It could be your, your 200 pounds overweight. It could be a business. It could be an organization. It could be a charity. It doesn't matter if it's new balance is gone. If you want to be competitive, real Mm -hmm. talk. Okay, you're going to have to put that time in. You're going to have to put the reps in. You're going to have to put in the struggle. That is a requirement. 
Now, if you ask, let's say, uh, you know, let's just take a famous athlete, right? Like, uh, if you asked Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, okay? Well, Kobe Bryant's a bad example because he never got to live his other part of his life. Now, that's actually a good example because how I look at balance is over the course of a life, right? Like how I break down balance and how I break down my life is so different than what like most people think of when they think of it. I think of life in 20-year chunks and then I think of inside those 20-year chunks, I think three to four-year um, like spurts and then inside the three or four years, I think of one year as four quarters of a game, okay? And and I, I use Live Hard, my Live Hard program, to operate, to, to produce the most during that one year. So when I break down how I frame out how I look at life, it's I don't think people look at it like that. I think most people kind of like look at their balance as... A, a, a day, right? A super micro. Yeah, like yeah, do yeah, I yeah. do I did I spend enough time with my kids today, or did I did I get some time for me today? And dude, you're gonna go years without that time. I mean, that's just reality if you're trying to build something great. So when we think about balance, I found a more realistic way to look at balance is over the course of life, where you're gonna have seasons where you're gonna have to go all in, and it's not for a week and it's not for a month, bro. It's for years. This is real shit. Yeah. Like, if you wanna be anything, it's for years. That creates some financial freedom. You get a little bit more, uh, you get a little bit more freedom and you get a little bit more balance. And then there might become a time where you have to go again. And, you know, then it's all in again, right? And so when we look at balance, especially from a beginner standpoint, I think it's a very, very, very bad thing to, to, to expect that you're going to have it at all. It's not reality. And, and we see all these people on the internet saying that that's what they're after. Well, if that's what you're after and you're trying to be great at something, that's a no-win situation. It just is. So, you know, I, think it's imp- I just think it's important to have the proper expectations. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a, a regular person, a regular Joe and earn a regular income. And by the way, I'm not judging. I'm This show is predicated on people that want to be great at things. If that's what you want to do, then balance is probably achievable on a daily basis. That's something that you could probably do. Um, but for the rest of you guys, you trying to hit that when it's not reality is only going to make you feel bad about yourself. It's only going to make you have less confidence. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to feel extra guilty because you're not giving yourself to these other people that probably would like to have it and and to have the success that you want to create it, it takes times of 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 actual selfishness where like I am this is what I'm doing and this is my priority and this is what I'm going to go after and everything else kind of like is what it is and those are the sacrifices that, that it takes to get to get I mean dude like we're in a competition this is yeah. what people fail to realize about like this is a fucking competition like there's all this shit on the internet about oh my god I'm competing against me yes that's true that is true you are your biggest competitor however inside right behind right yeah <laughs> right outside that competition is a real competition where you're competing against real human beings who are trying to do the same things that you're trying to do all right and there's only so much room for the winners so this idea that there's a endless abundance and and endless winning and endless being the best is not actually true. Okay. Mm. Now, is there abundance? Yes, but you have to compete very hard to have it. And these are just things that like 25 years ago, dude, were common sense. 
Like, this was common sense, bro. Like, I was taught this growing up. And, like, I say this to young kids that are 20 years old. They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Not everybody can win. I'm like, bro, how many Super Bowl winners are there a year? There's one. How many MVPs on that team of the Super Bowl? There's one. How many MVPs of the league? There's one. Sports, it's so bizarre to me that society has gotten so off track in all these other areas of life in terms of understanding reality of how they work, but yet every Sunday they will watch the NFL and then they get this mere image of how life really works, which means the people who put in the most work, who work the hardest, who become the best, get the biggest fucking paychecks and are the champions, they're watching this exact metaphor for how life actually works every Sunday and then turning around and pretending like it's not how that works. Balance. Yeah, dude. Like, how many of these NFL guys that are, how many of these guys are balanced? Bro, these are young men who are literal warriors, bro. They're putting on armor every Sunday and going out and trying to kill each other. These dudes are not balanced, bro. (laughs) These guys are coming out saying everything I do, everything I eat, everything I train, everything I read, every single thing in my life is geared towards this battle that I'm trying to win. And that's your life, dude. And that's what people can't understand. They want to believe it's like this fluffy, nice thing And the internet, you know, when I say what I just said, they get so pissed off and it's like, okay, well, show me, you guys that get pissed pissed off, show me what the fuck you've achieved. Show me. Because I know I'm right. I've seen it a thousand times. This man coaches some of the best coaches in the world. Some of the biggest fucking names in the world. Dude, am I right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Like, this is how it works, man. Like, there's no other recipe to, it's it's called natural order. Mm. It's, It's the reality, man. It's... This is why bit lions who, who, who are, are, are at the top of the pride eventually get eaten by the younger lions. This is how it works. There's nothing you can do, bro. You get old. You can't do the shit no more. And they kill you. That's the cycle of life, man. The only the goal rules. that you can do is to be the baddest motherfucker for as long as you can be until someone takes you out. That's what the game is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And man. then when you're successful, you take care of those who can't take care of themselves, yeah. and, you, and you help the old lions. Yeah. You don't kill them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, dude. You, what you try to do? You build a sanctuary. Yeah, but here. What, what you, what, well, the, that's why the goal, if you're in business, is to become so big that it insulates you from that. You know, otherwise they will take your shit. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why rhythm is so important, not yeah. balance. Because what Andy's saying is so true. Because if you see that and you try to achieve balance, and you're not, you're now feeling guilt and shame and I meet a lot of women out there who work in the working world and they have this guilt and shame because they have kids and they're not doing enough at home then they're not doing enough at work and so they have a double dose of guilt which is a double dose of misery Bro, I in get your it. life when you live that way right I get it too because I, could, I watch all these people on the internet who aren't me who aren't doing what I do talk about how balanced they are and how perfect they are and then I look over and, you know, here's me and Emily and everybody I care about, like, paddling the boat is hard as fuck. I'm like, holy shit, bro. I'm a fucking tyrant. Like, <laughs> like, like I, you know what I'm saying? Like, but but then I got to remember, we're on a different path than those mm. people are on. And we and you can't feel guilty for choosing the path that you're on and trying to be the best at it. It's what you're focused on, what your mission is, what yeah. you're here to do. I asked my daughter, my daughter's 25 now. Did I travel too much? Because I was gone a lot when my kids were young, speaking all over, building the business, building my name. You know what she said? Dad, I don't remember you gone. I remember when you were home. Mm. Because when you were home, you were so engaged with me and with 
with Cole, my son. You were engaged. You were present. And I would go to her lacrosse tournaments. Again, July, December, November, slow times. But that's what they remember. So I want people listening to know everything Andy's saying is true. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna bust your ass to be successful. But at the same time, rhythm might be: I work six days, and I have that one day that I engage with the family and take that time for them. It might mean I work two weeks straight, and then I have that day. Mm-hmm. It might mean a month where you know what? Hey, family, I'm building this right now. We got a product launch. I'm not gonna be around. But after this month, after the launch, let's make time to do this, this, and this. And then you do that. That's how you can actually make it work for you. But the greatest of the greats, they call it a dark side of success. Because to be truly great, you have to sacrifice. And there has to be a cost that you're willing to pay to actually be great at what you're doing. I mean, I was writing every morning when I was writing my 28 books. And I still write. That's a morning cost every morning to write that I'm not spending with my family. And I'm writing. But my kids saw that. And now they have a different spin, a different understanding than other kids who grew up in a different way. It's not really a sacrifice either, though, dude, because you get something out the other end. Right. That's what people forget. It's just not immediately. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, yes, some things are going to have to not be done or you're not going to be at the thing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But there is something that comes out the other side. And you have to remember that that's coming and that's going to happen. If you continue and like, dude, the guilt thing is a big deal for me because I, I get caught up in that sometimes, right? The internet has become so touchy feely and cultures become so touchy feely that even like somebody like me can get like in my feels a little too much and start feeling guilty. But every time I do, I remind myself, dude, I'm on a different path. I am on a different path. I'm on a different path. And that person that asked that question, you're on a different path. So don't feel guilty for that. What Just because you got some friend or some friends saying you need more balance. Look, bro, real talk. And this is, this is going to hurt some feelings. But every motherfucker I've ever known in my entire life told me I needed more balance. And half of those motherfuckers asked me for jobs. Okay? <laughs> so real talk. Okay? Yeah. So there's yeah. good things that come of being on your own path and being committed to it. And just because you're not, you know sitting on the internet with your, you know, meditating and touching the grass for seven hours a day and drinking fucking, you know, kombucha. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and, and not showering, like just because you're like actually being a productive human being is not yeah. something that you should feel guilty about. Mm. You know, it's That's real shit, man. Yeah. I love it, man. Guys, John, question number two. <laughs> All right, guys, I quit my job in April and I started my own landscaping company and things are going great. With that being said, I keep having days where I feel like I'm on top of the world. And then the next day, I feel like a total fucking failure. I understand that it might take years before I can say that I am uh, getting it going. But my question is, at what point do things start to level off? And how do I get myself to that point quicker? Oh, man. I'm the wrong person to answer that question, bro. <laughs> you know, I'd be lying if I fucking sat here and DJ knows. These guys here know too. If I were to sit here and answer this question and say, oh yeah, it's right here at this time, this yeah. is when you figure it out and everything works out great. And you know, I never had that problem. Like, bro, I'd be lying to your fucking face. Like there are days where I feel like I could fucking legit run into the White House and impale these motherfuckers and conquer the world, bro. Mm. And then there are days where I like have to scrape myself out of bed. Mm. Like that, 
And those days usually are back to back. I don't know. Maybe we're bipolar, bro. I don't know. <laughs> but I haven't solved the puzzle to that yet. Mm. That hasn't. I have not entered that season of figuring that out about me. I I am very hot and cold. I am very streaky. Here's what I figured out. The way I've been able to manage that about myself is to be committed to a structure where I know I'm building momentum even if I don't feel like I'm building momentum. This is why I love the Live Hard program so much because even on those days that I wake up and I feel like I've had to scrape myself out of bed and I start to have that negative self-talk where I'm like, fuck, dude, you're, you know, you're a piece of shit, which I got something to say about that too. But even on those days, I can look back and be like, what are you talking about, dude? For the last 68 days, you were fucking literally perfect. Like nobody's doing that. So like that, having like actual evidence to back up what I'm, what I've been doing and taking action in my life when I feel those low days really helps a lot. That's a big thing for me. It's also important to know that there's an ebb and flow to thought. So there'll be days that you feel very positive and there'll be days you feel negative. I call it high state of mind and low state of mind. And so a high state of mind is characterized by a lot of clarity, a lot of focus, a lot of positivity, a low state of mind, a lot of clutter, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of worry. One day you're in traffic and it bothers you. The next day you're in the same traffic and it doesn't. Is it the traffic that's making you feel a certain way? Yes. No. <laughs> can't be the Fuck traffic. Fuck these motherfuckers. <laughs> it can't be. because this morning, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, if, it's the, if you think it's the traffic, then the traffic would make you feel the same way all the time. Yeah. During the pandemic. Some people struggled during the pandemic. Other people thrived. People blame the pandemic. It wasn't the pandemic. It's our state of mind. Mm. When your state of mind is high, the circumstance happens and you rise above. You move forward. When your state of mind is low, same circumstance happens and it really bothers you. It affects you. In sports, you make a bad play. Low state of mind, you're thinking, oh man, what did I do? Revved up thinking. And then now you think something's wrong, something's broken, and now you're trying to fix it. High state of mind, you make a bad play. You're like, let's go, next play. So it's all right. our state of mind. And I would say you have these highs and lows states of mind, yeah. which defines how we respond to the situations. So the key is for that person is stay the course. That's a part of growing a business. There are so many days you feel like you're not building anything. And even now when you have success, you still feel like you're not doing enough. You still feel like you could do more. The best always realize that they've never arrived at the door of greatness. Like, like no, I've never arrived. I got to keep going. If the minute you think you've arrived, it gets slammed in your face. Yeah. And so that high state of mind is so helpful for people because the key is to realize you're on a roller coaster. Mm. And when you feel like the roller coaster is going down, what happens is you want to jump off the roller coaster. You want to give up. Don't jump off. Don't escape. Too many people escape. They do drugs. They drink. They play video games. Why? They're trying to avoid the low state of mind that they have, this feeling they have that's a discomfort, mm. a lot of discomfort. So what you do is you stay on the roller coaster, and then what happens is you ride it back up. And you're going to have this for most of your life, yeah. high states and low states. And then when you realize this, though, and you realize it's not the circumstance, it's not the traffic, it's not my company, it's not my status, what happens is instead of these highs and lows that are very steep, it actually becomes more, more, you know, equal, more, you know, more leveled out. Yeah, more leveled out, and then that allows you to move forward in a more powerful way. Where these events, these circumstances, this situation, my business doesn't affect me. I stay the course. Working with the Miami Heat one year, they start out eleven and thirty, they finish thirty and eleven. What happened? They stayed the course. Mm -hmm. They stayed positive. They stayed connected. They didn't allow this circumstance to define their mindset. They kept their mindset going, and then their circumstance basically was the result of their mindset. I love that. I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, dude. I explain it a little bit different way. 
you know, I feel like when times are the hardest is when you learn the most. And I feel like when people opt out of the hard times, what they're, what they're actually doing is denying an opportunity for growth and a skill acquire, acquiring a skill that they wouldn't, would not other have. I actually just did an Instagram story on this yesterday where I was talking about how the ultimate skill set to have is grit and, and the ability to not quit because in my, in my life, the only way I've acquired these skills has come through the, the dips, right? Yep. It's come through the hard times where I wanted to quit. And every time we push through one of these times where we want to quit, not only do we acquire a new skill, but other people who are on the same path as us, they do quit. All right. So the more times you can push through the hard shit, the more skills you acquire, the less competition there is. So you end up in a position where you get more and more and more skill and you have less and less and less competition. And this is what the, the importance of endurance and pushing through actually is. It's a strategic, tactical, great play to run because after 20 years of that, you end up on some mountain that you've climbed and there's nobody else around. And not only has nobody else climbed it, you have all this wisdom and all these skills that none of them were able to acquire because they quit. And so like, dude, when I look at entrepreneurship and I talk about, you know, I think about the most successful people I know, dude, the, the, people think they make up these hard stories, right? Like, oh, you got to have a hard story to tell on the internet. No, the reason they're successful is because of those hard stories that actually happened to them. And, you know, Ed and I have had millions of conversations about this, like over the years where business has gone up and down and up and down and up and down. And and here's the thing that I think makes your point, uh, you're, you're saying it a different way, but I agree with it 100%, is that, you know, I don't think it ever, for me, I never saw it as like it gets, it gets more leveled out, but my ability to handle the things that would normally mess other people up becomes much more, uh, much stronger, right? So like the bumps that do come, like like where I'm at in life right now, right? Like I get these calls from people I know and they're freaking out about something. I'm like, what's, what's the problem, dude? Well, that's not a real problem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Bro, dude, right. just do this and this. Yeah, that's not yeah. a real problem. <laughs> right. So to someone, it's a mountain, but you see it as yeah, a hill. Yeah, because it's a, it's you, a hill. you've been through so much of it, right? So you become conditioned to the the normal ebbs and flows that happen and even when it's moderately bumpy it feels pretty smooth it doesn't really feel out of order until it gets real bad mm. you know and so that's part of the mental conditioning that you have to have as an achiever you have to be able to push through these hard times but you also have to realize that there is a legitimate tactical advantage to grit there's a legitimate tactical advantage to being mentally resilient and tough and showing up and giving everything that you have especially on the days where everybody else quits. Like those are the biggest wins. Everybody thinks the biggest wins are the 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 trophy or the money or the house or the lifestyle. That's not the biggest win, bro. The biggest win is that time where you almost quit but didn't. Because without those wins, the other wins are impossible to achieve. And so like let's give ourselves some credit about the real wins here. The real wins is when you'd rather do anything else than what it is you're supposed to do and you still do it. That's the biggest win you could ever have as a human being. At least that's in my experience. Yeah. That's so good. That yeah. is so good. Because so adversity is your partner in growth. And I think back to my life, you know, I opened up restaurants. I second mortgaged my home. 
$20,000 in credit cards to open up this first Moe's Southwest Grill franchise. We were the first Moe's Southwest Grill in Florida, fifth Moe's in the entire country. We had everything on the line and we were barely hanging on by a thread, but that taught me. That yeah. made me stronger. Yeah. That helped me grow. Yeah. When I became a writer and speaker, the energy bus was rejected by over 30 publishers. Yeah. My first book. That book has now sold over 3 million copies, but rejected by 30 publishers. But I had the grit. I didn't accept rejection. I kept going, kept believing. Everything you've been through in your past makes you stronger for your future. And I love what yeah. you said because you don't see the mountain, you see the hill. Yeah. Because you've been through that. At one point, they looked like mountains. Yeah. But now they're hills for you. Yeah. And so because you you've grown strength. You right. Know? So adversity is your partner in growth. And also, adversaries are too. Hmm. Rivals are. Negative people are. We often don't realize that. We say, get rid of negative people. When you face someone who's negative, when you face a rival, I always ask people, do you have a rival in high school? Oh, yeah. Okay, everyone had a rival because your rival made you stronger. We all need a worthy opponent. My good friend <laughs> has a book coming out about that. The worthy opponent helps you grow. And if you don't have the worthy opponent, you're not gonna be who you're meant to be. And God gives you worthy opponents in your life to sharpen you and to make you stronger throughout your life. Dude, I, 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 I'm laughing because like, you know, you've heard the story that Grover tells about uh, about Michael Jordan kind of making up his enemies. Oh yeah. You know, so like, you know, I don't talk about this publicly anymore because it was just too fucking ruthless. And it got to the point where like people like legitimately didn't want to be around me because they thought I was like a fucking crazy person. But I have a list of people in my head that I fucking hate. I fucking hate them. And and they might be great people. <laughs> they, they might be awesome people, bro. They might be the nicest people, the best people. In my mind, I fucking hate them. And I want to crush them. I want to burn their fucking house down. I want to eat their fucking food at their fucking table, bro. Like, I fucking hate them. And that drives me so much as a human being but like, I can't talk about it because no one gets it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michael Bro, I just Jordan keep did this, shit. this like sweet old little grandma. Bro. Like I don't really hate them. Like, if I saw them in person, bro, yeah. it would be all good. Mm -hmm. It's just like I I operate in that space mm -hmm. so well. It drives me so well. It's such a good driver for me because I'm just an ultra competitor. Yeah. So like, when I get to a certain space where I'm feeling complacent. I have to start adding to the list. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna crush this motherfucker. And they don't even know. Like, they don't even know. They don't even know they're on the list. Yeah. Like, they don't even know. I'm like, all right, one, two, three, four, five. I'm going to fucking annihilate all of these people. And I don't do it by attacking them. Yeah. yeah. I do it by going out and winning in my own way. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> you know, it's it's funny because like I never talk about it anymore because people think it's crazy, but you know. Tim told me that's Tim Grover, who who was Michael Jordan's uh, trainer and had been a mental coach of many, many high level people. Great friend of mine. Um, huge mentor of mine, too. Uh, you know, he told me that story about Michael, like making up shit that people were saying to him. Mm -hmm. Like he'd be, he'd be in a game, dude, and somebody would be like coming up to, to defend him. And he'd be like, what the fuck did you say? Oh, man. What did you say? And the guy's like, what? He's like. I fucking heard that, bro. Like, dude, it, it, it was like, like, but like, no I, kind of sand is you, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, dude, I just do that in my That's own different way. level, man. It's dark side energy, bro. Yeah. And like, certain people are wired for it. And I'm yeah. just, to me, for me personally, that is the most powerful energy. Like, the most, the worst thing you could do to me as someone who competes with me is talk shit about me. Say one fucking word, bro. Like, I'm the guy that, like, you hang the headline in the locker room. And I will literally destroy myself to to fucking win that. 
Mm. Like, it's just what it is. Oh, man. And I, I've, here's the thing, DJ. Almost every super high achiever I've ever met in my life is the exact same way. Mm. They can say all this positive shit. They might not say it out loud. That's right. They might not say it in person. They might not be willing to admit it. But every single killer that I've ever met, even the ones that smile and, you know, you think are the night, bro, these people will slit your fucking throat in their mind. (laughs) (laughs) They they will, dude. I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. Doing what I do, Andy is such a great case study. I mean, as I'm listening to them, this is like, I'm like, this is fascinating to me as as a mental coach and works on mindset. I'm just, as I'm, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yes. That's true. Killers. Yeah. Killers. But is Michael Jordan happy in his personal life now? No, that, that's what I'm saying. You have to draw a box around it, mm-hmm. right? It can't be real. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be this thing that you kind of com- compartmentalize. When I was younger, it was real. Right. Like, it was real shit. Now it's like this thing that I build in my mind to fuel me. You know, yeah. like, when I don't feel like doing something, I'll be like, oh, so you're going to let, and I'll fill in the name, you're going to let that motherfucker win? And I will get the fuck up, bro. Like, it's just what it is. I love it, when they man. do the documentary on Andy. It's going to be. Um, I took it personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very. It was very personal to me, bro. That and I took that. John, personal. it's true. It is what it is, dude. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's not. Like, I fucking love. But it. here's the thing. In real, real talk, I'm thankful for those people. Mm. I, I respect those people. I am thankful for them because of what they provide me in fuel. And there's been a number of people. I'm not going to name any names who over the years I've actually become really close friends with who were at one time on that list for me. You know what I mean? Because like I, I, I value what they've provided me and then we be end up becoming friends. You right. know? They were your rivals. Yes. And you were competing in many ways against, but you're really competing for. Yeah. Because they made you better in the yeah. long run. Yeah, and you made them better right. by, by running hard. You know. Love that, man. Well, guys, John, Andy, our third and final question. Question number three. Hey guys, in a management role, how do you find the balance of mentoring your subordinates or employees while maintaining professional boundaries? Context, uh, we have made it a priority to cultivate a company culture where everyone feels supported and is very family-like. I know there is a balance of being interested and knowledgeable about each staff member's personal life uh, to a degree, but I find it at times their personal drama or struggles are boiling over into my lap. But when they say that something in their lives is affecting their mental state, uh, which in turn affects the productivity and, and, and urgency in work, I feel confused as to what to do. Please advise. I'm a big believer in love and accountability. You got to have both. And you got to set the standard. Like this is our standard for our company, for our team, our department. We have the standard. And I'm going to support you, coach you, encourage you, and love you along the way. But we have a job to do. Like we're here and we're getting paid and we exist because we have a business, we have a company, whatever it is, a police department, we have a role and responsibility for what we're here to do. And we can't let outside forces get in the way of that. So we know and we set the clear expectation that this is what we're about. Like we're here to work together. Like NFL players, they become friends, but they're also on jobs, right? And they have a job to do, but they're friends, coaches and a player. Coach loves that player, but guess what? That player has to perform. That's or they're going to get cut. Yeah. So you got to perform. You have a responsibility to that job and to that role. But I'm going to love you along the way. So you make that very clear up front. And caring about someone and being invested in their life doesn't mean that they should be bringing their drama to you. That's where the boundaries get crossed. Because your job is to come to work every single day and 
be your best and bring your best. Now, if you have personal things going on in your personal life and so forth, it starts to affect your mental health. Obviously, you want to have services and you want to be able to provide solutions for that. So I'm not saying you're not caring about that person. But at the same time, when that person is complaining or constantly bringing their personal drama in, that's not your role as the manager or the leader to be dealing with that. Like my team knows, like, don't bring me drama. Bring me what's going on in your personal life. Just had a baby. Death of a loved one. We're going we're gonna to support you. We're going to be there for you. But don't bring me your drama. That is off limits and that's not allowed because that hurts our performance. Mm. It hurts our mission. And we're here to do a job. I don't think a lot of people realize, first of all, I agree with everything you said. I think culture as a whole has somehow made people feel like that every single person in their life must accommodate every single ebb and flow of their life. And that's just not reality. Reality is exactly what you said. We're here. We have a mission. We're here to be great at it. And whatever is going on in your life, if that fucks that up, I'm going to have to put someone else in there because if I don't, I'm letting down the other 400 people here. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's a reality that the workforce has to come to terms with. For the last 10 years, we've had this situation where everybody's touchy feeling and everybody's extra, you know, caring and kind. And this is the thing. And they've forgotten while that's a good thing. Performance is the thing that drives everything else. And so when we think about, you know, uh, let's just say an, uh, somebody with a career, if you're someone who brings every single thing to the office that happens to you, no matter how good you are at your job, you will be passed over, over and over and over again for opportunities because your leadership clearly understands that you are a cultural issue. Okay. You're a distraction to everybody else. And so for practicality purposes, I think it's very important that people realize that while your leadership and while your managers, you know, at any level may accommodate and deal with because we care about you, your issues, right? That will actually cost you opportunity without you realizing it because when it comes time for the promotion or the advancement or the opportunity, that part of it will be taken into place even if they don't say anything to you about it at the time. Yeah. You know, so like if you have three people that are equal candidates for a opportunity that you have in an organization and you have, you know, two of them consistently bring their drama or their gossip or their problems or any of the shit, those people will stay right where they are regardless of their performance. And the people who don't have that baggage will continue to move up. And this is a reality of any organization. If let's talk, we talk a lot about the NFL. Let's talk about the NFL combine. Okay. The NFL combine is a literal display of your actual physical skills. How fast can you run? How agile are you? How strong are you? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? Do you have any injuries? And then they have this other thing, basically like a character test. Okay. And then they evaluate what were all the things that this person did when they were in college? What kind of drama did they have with girls? What kind of crimes did they commit? What kind of distractions were they for the team? And every single NFL draft, there are players that are amazing, like the highly talented, maybe the most talented players that do not get drafted because of the excess baggage that come with them. Because teams understand what that damage can do to the organization. And your 
superior and your team, no matter where you work, they understand that too. And this is an unwritten, unspoken thing that people should be aware of. You have to create boundaries, not only as the manager and, and, and the leader, but also as the, the team member. Like you, like when you want to vent and you want to bring that shit, you should stop and ask, okay, is me bringing this stuff going to come up later? Is this going to hurt me later? Because if it is, it's probably best that you handle it and not bring it. Yeah. Now, if John says, like what John says, like if it's a death or it's a real thing or someone's house burned down or they're facing a real tragedy, that's different. We're talking about gossip and drama. Gossip and drama are for the weakest individuals in society. Those people never win. And the reason they never win, in spite of what skills they might offer, is because the people who are the gatekeepers to their opportunities understand the collateral damage that's created with that baggage. So this is something that like all of you guys who are entrepreneurs, who are in a career, you should really examine because a lot of people get passed up over and over and over and over again for opportunities and they can't figure out why. They have great statistical numbers. They, they do everything they're supposed to do and more. And they, and, but see what they don't realize is there's three other people doing that. Mm -hmm. And those the two of them aren't bringing the other stuff. So this is super important for you to be aware of. And it is reality. It's not bullshit. It's not just the way I think. This is the way any leadership thinks, even if they're not transparent with you about it, which usually they aren't because they're trying to be caring and empathetic yeah. to your situation. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, dude, you just can't do it. Like it's not reality. And it's love tough, right? You love yeah. your team, you love your people, but then you earn the right to challenge them. And if I love you, I'm not going to let you settle for anything but your best. I got to hold you accountable to our standards, our culture, our values, our principles, and how we do things. And if your performance is suffering from our standard, then we have to talk about it and I have to coach you up or maybe at times let you off the bus. Going back to college, like in today's world, we're seeing kids get upset when a coach coaches them hard. Mm-hmm. These great coaches, like that's how they coach and it's how they get the most out of some of these kids. Now, the best coaches love their players. They do love them, but they also challenge them. And so you're watching the game at home and you see a coach be hard on a player like, oh, what's going on? That player knows that coach loves them. But now that coach is being hard because that player is doing something that's hurting the team. So you got to make sure that you're not hurting the team. And like Andy said, if that one person is actually affecting everyone else, it doesn't mean you don't care about them you care about everyone else. Because if you're constantly acquiescing to the person who's the problem, then that means you're actually allowing that person to sabotage everybody on the team in the organization. And what signal are you sending to the people right. who are your actual winners? What, what, what signal hmm. as a leader are you sending to your team, to all these great people on your team who show up every day and do everything they're supposed to do without causing any problems when you're giving the attention to the person that does? What does that tell you? What does that tell them? It tells them that if they want attention from you, what are they going to do? I'm going to start breaking my problems. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they're going to get your attention. And now yeah. you have a problem that replicates itself through a culture. Cancer. Exactly. So this is the, the, these are the intricacies of leadership that people don't think about. You know, a lot of people, they get cut from a team or fired from a job and they're like, well, you know, that's not fair. Well, <clears throat> from your perspective, it feels not fair. But from the leadership's perspective, they're looking at the 400 other people that they have to look out for, their families, their kids, right. their, their futures. And 
you're a, you're you're standing in the way of that. Right. And so, like, dude, there should be some. That's account- not fair. It's not that exactly, dude. <laughs> That's There's not always fair. two sides yeah. to a coin. You're putting yeah. leadership and in a position to have to choose to deal with your bullshit or affect like that's people that's don't not think fair. about that. No. They never yeah. think about that, bro. And then when they get fired or cut or moved on, what do they do? They go on the internet and fucking boo-hoo. They don't tell the other side of the story <laughs> that they were a fucking problem here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, dude, this is this is a big problem going back to the first topic of conversation in culture. We have moved for, we have moved so far away from reality that we now operate in this make-believe land that that is so warped that if you just choose to operate your life in the real structure and the framework of how things work, which is natural order, okay? The best win, the, the, they win the most, they get the most, they fucking earn the most, they eat the best, they have the best fucking lives if you're the best. That is reality, bro. That's reality. If you operate with inside that framework, you're going to be fine. If you operate in this other framework where everybody you think everybody cares about your shit, dude, real talk, most people are waiting for you to shut the fuck up and get out of their office because they got real shit to worry about. That's real shit. And like, dude, it, it, you know, people get upset when they say that because they think that work has become some sort of therapy session. It's like, dude, we're we're a team. We're the we're we're the we're fucking Clemson, bro. We're trying to win the national championship every day. Like does does Dabo Sweeney allow people to come in and disrupt his team culture or does he cut them? Does Nick Saban allow people who uh, come to practice because their girlfriend broke up with him and dropped seven passes in a row to stay on the team? No, this is reality. Performance dictates success. Your feelings do not. So can you perform in the face of your feelings? Can you perform in the face of hardship? Can you perform in the face of tragedy? Can you perform when the last thing you want to do is perform. If you could build yourself into that person, you will have no problem succeeding. If you're anything else, it's going to be real rough. Simple rule. No complaining rule. You're not allowed to complain unless you come with a solution. Yeah. So get rid of all toxic complaining with yeah, the no man. complaining rule. I love that, man. That is a great rule. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, guys, Andy, John, that was three. Yeah. John, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. That. The, we got to do it again. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. It was awesome. Was CTI next time. Yeah. So next time we're going to hit you with CTI. <laughs> so we saw the real problems. No, this is great. But brother, where can everybody support you? Like, what's your biggest thing that you got going on right now? They can read the one truth, which I think will help them live with more power instead of feeling powerless. Okay. So the one truth, getonetruth.com, getonetruth.com. They can find me on social media at John Gordon 11 J-O-N Gordon 11. Yeah. And this was a blast. Like we are just yeah. yin and yang in some ways, but also so aligned on, yeah. on so many ways. No, I love it's it. Really cool. I, it's a different perspective. Yeah. Look, man, you've been doing this for a long time. I appreciate the I appreciate the different perspectives on how to see these things. It's it's not every day that I get to sit with someone who's who's been legitimately doing this longer than I've been doing it. Who who could this is why Ed and I have such a great friendship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I learn every single time I talk to Ed, I fucking learn something. And it's no different with you. So I appreciate, I appreciate, it. You, appreciate it, brother. Thank yeah. you. All right, guys. That's the show. Don't forget to pay the fee. Uh, don't be a hoe. Share the show. Yeah. Went from sleeping on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl. Fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch. Booted swole. Got her on bankroll. Can't fold. Does a no. Headshot. Case closed.